Levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985, na sequência do Acordo das Lages, e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. Welcome to today's United Through Heritage virtual series event. Uh, today, we are going to be speaking on the StarTalk program. Just a brief history, the StarTalk program is, was established by the NSA to fund programs that teach languages that are considered critical to national security. Portuguese has been one of the most successful and highly rated programs since the beginning of the StarTalk program. And for some unknown reason, Portuguese was cut in the program in 2019. Palcas has been working to reinstate funding for Portuguese programs ever since. And today, uh, as a moderator, Jack de Oliveira here, uh, Palcas director, I am joined by speakers Isabel Cabral Johnson, which is superintendent of Hilmar Unified School District, Duarte Silva, and Natasha Wood. Um, just to give some brief background in each of our speakers today, once again, Isabel Cabral Johnson. Isabel has been working in the Hilmar School District for over 38 years and has worked her way up to superintendent where she has been for the last 13 years. And they are an example of a district that has um, used the StarTalk funding to use Portuguese and some other languages. Duarte Silva. Duarte Silva continues to serve in the role of executive director emeritus at the, uh, of the California World Institute project in the Graduate School of Education at Stanford University. In addition to that, he currently serves in the, on the Washington DC-based Joint National Committee for Languages, the advocacy, the advocacy Committee of the American Council of Teaching of Foreign Languages, Board of Advisors for the Global Seal Biliteracy, I apologize about that, Editorial Boards of Foreign Languages, Annals and StarTalk Advocacy, advocacy um, Committee of the Portuguese Language Teachers Association, Leadership Council of the California Global Education Network and the Board of Advisors for Ages Society of Chinese Early Language and Amortization Network. And last but not least, we have Natasha Wood. She's a legislative uh, staffer with Congressman Costa's office. Congressman Costa's office has been a leader um, in the Congress of helping us here with PALCAS and in addition to Start Talk. So Natasha will bring the perspective of the office uh, to us today. Uh, so just to start off, we'll start off with a brief history of StarTalk, and we're going to go shift over to Duarte for that. So Duarte, if you'd like to take over. Sure, Jack. Thank you so much for your invitation to participate in this conversation about StarTalk. 
a program that I have been with since its inception and uh, continue to be with as the, the program right now is going through a transition. Uh, just a brief history and very brief because there's a lot more <laughs> to share about StarTalk, but I'm gonna be very mindful of the time that we have allocated for this presentation. StarTalk was established in January of 20, uh, 2006 by then uh, President Bush uh, and in the presence of Condoleezza Rice, who was at that time his uh, Secretary of State. And she also was my provost at Stanford University before joining the uh, George Bush administration. Um, if you talk to Condoleezza, she says it was the president's initiative. But behind the scenes, I am told that Condoleezza played a key role because she found the State Department uh, in dire need of speakers of languages that she needed to carry out her diplomatic missions across the world. Um, there were, of course, languages there, but some of the languages were not present and that she considered to be so strategic, not only for the security priorities of the United States, as well as the economic priorities, because you know we're all in a global marketplace and she was very much aware that we needed to expand our global markets. The languages of StarTalk in 2006, January, when the program was officially started, at that time included Arabic, Chinese, Dari, Hindi, Persian, Portuguese, Russian, Swahili, Turkish, and Urdu. You know, really representative of different continents across the globe. Um, immediately uh, in 2007, a contract was awarded to the National Foreign Language Center to run these programs, to administer the programs. The, the funding uh, that came with the program uh, for StarTalk is approximately $15 million a year. That was the allocation that would go from the Department of the Treasury to the National Security Agency or NSA, as uh, Jack said at the beginning of the program. This, this StarTalk program was, was a part of a broader mission for language expansion in different departments of, uh, of the United States. Um, the, uh, the National Security Agency was given the, the responsibility to administer the program. Interestingly enough, the program uh, of all the agencies that received the funding, the Department of Defense, the National Security Agency, the Office of the Director of National Intelli Intelligence and so forth. Um, but absent from the list was the Department of Education. And as a matter of fact, there was, there was a stipulation in the legislature that said that this program needed to occur outside of the regular academic year. In other words, summer programs. And these summer programs were even described further as being like summer camps where students would come and learn language in a sort of a camp setting atmosphere. So these programs ran between June and, uh, and the end of August uh, at various schools and districts across the United States. The, 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 the program had three main goals, increase the number of Americans who would speak the languages that I mentioned uh, before. Also the program had a component to help teachers to develop the skills needed to teach these languages. Uh, these languages were not commonly taught in, 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 in our schools in the United States, and uh, we needed to do recruitment and also the preparation of these teachers. So 
about 50% of the Portuguese programs, for example, were teacher training programs, you know, to help teachers, you know, uh, who were either teaching Portuguese or were preparing themselves to teach Portuguese to help them to develop the new methodology, which we call, you know, proficiency-oriented uh, world language education, standards-based language education, and so forth and so on. So there was a strong component for teacher preparation in order to build the capacity then to teach these languages in our public schools. Uh, as Jack mentioned, uh, unfortunately, uh, actually it was uh, in 2020, not 2019, the, the Portuguese program ran between 2007 and 2019. Very successful programs across the United States, 120 programs. So we did a lot of recruitment in the Portuguese community and a lot of universities and uh, school districts, like the one we're gonna hear about in a few minutes, you know, responded to a request for proposals and were awarded, you know, uh, the funding, which was approximately uh, $100,000 a year to sponsor one of these summer camps, either for teacher preparation or for student camps uh, or student language programs. The, the range of states range from California, Massachusetts, Utah, Washington State, Texas, Maryland, Georgia, Minnesota, North Carolina, Washington, DC, and so forth and so on. So we were spread across the nation. Again, a lot of effort on, on the part of many to get you know, the Portuguese programs, the, the departments of teacher preparation at different you know, colleges and universities to respond to these requests for, you know, for proposals. Nobody likes to write proposals. They are time consuming, as Isabel probably will share. And this program also had a, a big mission of developing a sound curricula that was again, standards aligned and research-based. And, um, and again, uh, most uh, each one of these programs were assigned uh, what we called a team leader that was quote unquote, an expert in the language that, uh, that the program was, uh, was to teach or the preparation for teachers uh, that supported the curriculum development process and then approved that curriculum. So there was a lot of checks and balances during this whole process. And I have to say that the 120 plus programs in Portuguese always received the highest evaluation marks from the reviews that were done. The programs had an on-site review of about two or three uh, reviewers that would come by in the middle of the program and review the program. We would talk to the teachers who teach the program. We would talk to the students and tell, how is this program coming together for you? What are you learning? Why are you enjoying this kind of program? And then we would write a report based on everything, uh, the fact finding that we did at each one of these sites. I had the pleasure of visiting Isabel's program several times, as well as programs across the nation. And again, uh, I want to reiterate that if anybody thinks that Portuguese was taken off the list in 2020, uh, just before the, the RFP was to be released, actually three days before, it was not a quality issue because all the programs were of high quality. I'm going to leave it at that, and then we'll come back after we hear about, you know, the programs and uh, and recap anything that or answer any questions that anyone may have. Thank you, Jack. Of course, uh, Monica, I do see I have a question in the chat. Uh, I will just address this at the moment because it's the only one that we have. So we do have a question. If uh, whoever would like to take this, I am not familiar with this topic. Uh, the question, at the, uh, the answer at the moment. The question is, is there a list of US colleges that teach Portuguese, Portugal slash Azorian language, 
does StarTalk website have this list? Uh, we, ha we have a list. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now on my screen here. That's why I was able to rattle off the, the name. We have a list of the, the, the universities and the schools that offer a StarTalk program, mm -hmm. all 122 of them. Now, there are lists that exist. The Modern Language Association has a list of all the universities that who offer Portuguese. Uh, and and that those rosters are available. If someone will, whoever has this question, send me an email to duarte.silva at stanford.edu. I can make sure that I can provide this person with, with the references. I just want to address one thing. And if you were part of this conference yesterday, there was a very nice discussion about Azorian Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese and... and uh, and you know, uh, African Portuguese and so forth, Asian Portuguese. To be honest, it's all one languages with multiple cultures. So there was a, a an Acordo Ortográfico that was signed back about ten years ago, in which we standardized the spelling and the vocabulary for all of the Portuguese speaking world. So yes, there's some regional you know uh, terms that people use in the Azores. Just like uh, you know, the English language is a little different in Australia as it is in England, as it is in the United States, as it is in Alabama, as it is in New York. So, so uh, those are very minor uh, differences uh, that occur. Regional differences that occur they occur in every language. I have to say that if you know uh, whatever whatever Portuguese standard Portuguese you learn, you'll be understood in every single one of the Portuguese speaking world. Thank you for clarifying that, Duar. And then moving on here, we have uh, Isabel Cabral Johnson. She's gonna give us a live example of how StarTalk works on the ground. Isabel? Okay, well, hello everyone. And as Duarte said, I too am very um, happy to be part of this panel and to share um, what we have gone to in our experiences with the hope that it will increase start grow programs um, in other school districts. That's specifically what, what I deal with. Um, so we applied for the StarTalk program um, back, I think it was in 2010. Um, we heard that Portuguese was on there. Is that something we might wanna do? And so I actually spoke with Duarte and we said, you know what, we're, we're gonna apply for the grant and see what happens. So we applied and we were funded. And what we applied for was a summer program. So we received funding for the following summer. We applied in the fall, then received funding for the following summer. Um, we applied for what was called a combination program. So it was a teacher training program and a student learning program. So um, there was two parts to our proposal. One was the goal was to work with teachers who were either, uh, who had Portuguese language skills with the hopes that they would become Portuguese language teachers or teachers who were actually teaching maybe a period in a um, middle school or a high school and needed a little bit more understanding of the language and how to teach the language. So that was our focus for um, the teachers. And then for the students, of course, it was to teach the Portuguese language and culture. Um, and so you know, as Duarte talked about earlier, there was really no curriculum. So we had to develop the curriculum. There were certainly standards that we were um, looking at and developing um, the program based on that. So 
um, we um, began the program. We had approximately, I'd say about 100 students. Um, the first year, we actually had a waiting list. We Every year we've had a waiting list. Um, every year we have put on the program, we've had a waiting list. So even though we're located in Hillmar, California, the uh, program was open to anyone. And so we had most of our participants were from local communities, but they came, you know, 50 miles even to come to the program. It was not a residential program. So students would come in the morning, they would leave um, obviously in the afternoon. So one of the goals that we had was to really work with our local communities, uh, organizations, individuals, to promote this. So there was, it was twofold. Yes, we were teaching the language and culture, but we also wanted to unite the community for a common cause, which was the promotion of that language and culture. Um, so we worked with, um, like I said, various organizations and different groups, the, the Portuguese Education Foundations, the George DeSena Language School, those were local entities that we had, Casa do Suach. So we had local entities that we try to tap into, even if their role was not very big, it was important for us to reach out to them to say, hey, this is what's happening, because what they also could do is promote the program. And um, it gave us an opportunity to um, to help people understand the importance of that language and culture. So um, the children came in the morning. We actually had it, the program was from, uh, I think we had the first year we did, I think kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, as we moved on, cause we did apply every year and we did receive funding until Portuguese was no longer on that list and we could no longer apply. So every year we refined it a little bit. So um, I think that helped us also to really get better and better at developing the program, which is why I'm a strong believer in you don't fund something just once. You, you know, you need to have some regular funding so people can really develop um, a program that's effective. Um, so we promoted it on Portuguese radio. We promoted it. I went on a local radio station that we have here. We talked about that once again. To me, it was an opportunity not just to have this Star Talk program, but to promote the importance of language learning and specifically Portuguese language. Um, so it, it was one of those opportunities that we really um, took advantage of. So um, it was interesting that the, if you ask kids, I think, what did they think, you know, was the best about the program? They're going to talk about the cultural activities. So that's really what, what was keeping kids in the program. Mm -hmm. In general, children don't go to a program to say, wow, I'm going to learn another language and it's going to be so cool. Some do, um, but that lasts about a week. And then they say, well, well, that ain't fun. So we want to make, we wanted to make sure that it was fun. It was the idea that this is summer, so it should be different. It should be a camp type of environment. So we worked really um, hard to make sure that it was fun for kids, that they didn't, that they wanted to come. So we had lots of activities that included a lot of uh, cultural components. And we made sure that all our language learning uh, involved, had authentic um, opportunities in it. So we, for example, one year we did a unit on um, food. And so we finished by going to the Portuguese bakery, kids ordered, um, items from the Portuguese bakery. They knew we were coming. So um, they had the opportunity to practice the Portuguese practice their language in a cultural setting where they could see all the different things that were in that Portuguese bakery. 
So um, I would say, yes, we taught language, but we taught it through that cultural perspective so that the kids remained engaged and excited um, about the program. Um, obviously, as being um, a superintendent at a school district, my ultimate goal was to have this program become part of our school district, because then I knew there would be the continued funding and um, it would give us kind of a gateway for the college classes, the high school classes. So our district already had high school classes uh, where we taught Portuguese, but we needed that pathway to get there. So there was high school classes and there was college classes. CSU Stanislaus was teaching Portuguese and is teaching Portuguese, but we had nothing in those primary grades. So there was always the thinking of um, what is our goal? Our goal is not just teaching during the summer camp, it's to make people aware of the importance of the Portuguese language um, and then to hopefully have that become part of school districts around us. And I am happy to say that um, in our teacher training program, many of those teachers actually did become teachers of Portuguese in local school districts. So to me, that was a great success. The other success was that students kept coming back. They would re-register. So like they came one summer, we applied for funding, received funding for the following summer. Oh my gosh, we had last year's kids plus then a whole new group that wanted to, um, to come. And then out of that, kids wanted to register for the high school Portuguese language classes which was awesome, or the college, you know, if they were seniors and they were leaving out. We also, through that, we ended up starting a um, dual language, a Portuguese dual language program in Hillmar Unified. We now have that um, established and we began Portuguese classes at the middle school. So this really was the launching point of um, those programs. I have no doubt we would have not been able to start those programs had we not had that StarTalk launch um, the other, you know, I think of, uh, we had celebrations, of course, you know, every um, educational program always has the celebration. So we would have an end of the summer celebration and we would have a thousand to two thousand people come. Our gymnasium was packed. There was standing room only. And it was parents and grandparents and a neighbor that had heard. And so it was also an opportunity once again for us to promote the importance of the Portuguese language, the importance of language learning. And if you like this, make sure you talk to your school board members, make sure you talk to your local school districts, make sure um, you, know, you let them know that this is a viable language to learn. And so that gave us you know, that PR opportunity. Um, so I think that is, I mean, in a nutshell, obviously what the, the program is about or was for us. Thank you, Isabel. I think one of the biggest aspects you, you said is the impact it had on students throughout their, their time in the school district. So not only was it a one-time thing, it was something that they wanted to carry on for them and continue out their whole time in your school district. Um, is, may I ask if you could um, kind of just touch briefly touch upon, you said some people sometimes travel 50 miles from outside of district. Uh, could you talk about the cultural aspect it had not only in the community, but outside of the community, right in the surrounding towns? Well, I think there was a, a couple of things. Um, we did try to participate in Portuguese type of activities outside of our community. So for example, during the summer, there's a little town, Hopeton, that puts on a Portuguese festival. So we took our kids, 
which a majority I didn't mention earlier, a majority of the kids in our program were not Portuguese kids. They were, you know, we had Hispanic students and just, it, they were just general population students. So one of the things we did is we went to Hopeton and um, participated in their fest and they welcomed us. So that did, as an example, that did two things. One, it provided the cultural aspect for our students. So they were able to see, oh, this is what a fest is about and this is what happens. The other thing it did that was really interesting, it was like this rejuvenating experience for those that were participating who were um, uh, putting on the festa. Because what they saw was these young kids, you know, anywhere from five to, you know, 16 years of age, interested in what they were doing. And so I, I think um, there are many people involved in these cultural activities, but sometimes I think they feel like, well, no one really cares. We're doing this, but you know, it's not important. And this really provided a validation, I think, for those people. So to me, that was really uh, an exciting, an exciting piece. We um, tried to bring in cultural pieces that the kids could then be connected with later. So we had a Portuguese folk dance group come in. And then the Portuguese folk dance group said, hey, if you like this and you want to be part of our group, here's what you can do. So there was different opportunities for students and young adults to keep connected to this culture, regardless if they were Portuguese or not. They had an opportunity to stay connected. If dance is your thing, here's where you can go. If you like learning languages, here's what you can do. If you like, if you want to help putting on some of these specials, here's where you can go. So it gave kids the resource opportunities, you know, to go out, not just in Hillmar, but throughout the Central Valley, um, which I think was important. And the other one, I think it really validated some of those uh, cultural activities that that people are, are invested in, but sometimes maybe don't feel like their investment is being appreciated. Thank you. That was a, a great answer. And it's great to hear that they actually got very involved in everything they needed to. Do Can I? I just inject something into what Isabel said? Because uh, the, you know, there's three aspects of learning a culture. It's the perspectives, which Isabel talked about. It's the practices and it's the products. And this program really engaged the students in gaining the perspective of a particular component of culture, engage them in the practice and the behaviors when you go to a festa, when you go to a, 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 a bloodless bullfight, which you actually took one of our participants to, and he talked about it for months, okay? <laughs> Every time we had a Star Talk meeting, you always would talk you know, about being engaged in that practice and changing his perspective about bullfights and how it brought the community together. And the students produce awesome products of that particular culture. Your teachers prepare them beforehand. And then when they came back, they would create products that they had seen as part of, of the engaging in behavior. You know, may it be a dance, may it be an actual product, you know, uh, a, an artifact of that particular culture. So it was such an excellent program in engaging students in the three key components of culture teaching, perspectives, practices, and products. Thank you for that addition. And then just following up last question, um, is were the teachers specifically just Portuguese teachers or were a lot of them dual uh, certified in Portuguese and Spanish? Because I do know Spanish is a larger language throughout the country and I would like some other 
people that are maybe listening to see how um, how we can dual certify it would be the best term. So the teachers that we had in our particular program were all I'm trying to think. I think they were all native speakers uh, of Portuguese. I'm trying to think. Did we have any? We did it for so long that. I don't remember. I, I think you had some that actually had taught in the, in the uh, Spanish immersion program in your Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember yes. seeing them. <laughs> yes, because yes. some of our Spanish dual immersion teachers are actually Portuguese yes. speaking teachers. So yes. they speak yep. more than one language yes. already. So yes, we did. Um, we did have that yeah. um, where the, some of them, you know, have been word either teaching in dual language Spanish programs. Um, or were um, in the process of becoming BCLAD certified in order to teach in a Portuguese language program. And then many continued with the certification in Portuguese. Awesome, thank you. And moving on, we're gonna shift over to Natasha. She's gonna give us a current state of the affairs of what's going on at the national level in terms of Startop and specifically Portuguese. Natasha? Yes, hi everyone. How's my volume? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, first off, as all of Papa's and Zach and thank you so much for pulling this panel together. Uh, as many of you may know, Congressman uh, Costa is uh, very, very proud to come from Portugal and to come specifically, and a lot of those values are the guys who's worked in Congress and have a really fantastic constituency of Portuguese Americans in the 16th district. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Congress is doing um, on this issue and give a little bit of background as well for those who are interested in sort of broader actions that Congress is taking um, to, to sort of work towards, towards this goal. Um, first things first, uh, the Portuguese caucus is, is sort of our ground zero for this work in the Congress, and Congressman Costa, as uh, the co chair of that caucus, as well as a few other members, and it's leading initiatives to that work awareness of these issues and what they are. Um, regarding startup, the current state of that, of that is that, um, as previous panelists have mentioned, the program um, at the from the program and Natasha, board. if I may apologize for a second, there's just a, a little bit of background noise. Um, okay. Just making it, I just wanted to make sure that we can get it all on the recording. My apologies. Okay. No problem. How is this now? A little better. A little better? Okay. Um, feel free to jump in. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's try this. Um, okay. So, what? So, Congressman Costa has sent a letter to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in an effort to get a better sense of why Portuguese as a language was removed from the Startup program. Um, and we are at the moment waiting to hear back from the director of Okay, it's just a little, little garbled up. Um, there's just some background noise. Uh, Go ahead, try. Yeah, how about this? Can you hear me again? Um, you kind of echoed. It might be that might just be, I think it might be echoing off the mask. Um, let me see. Let's see. 
about now. Can you speak one more time? Yeah. How's my how's my audio now? Very good. Can you Very just good. can you just briefly back up and just start over or just yes? Yeah. Thank you. Happy to. Happy to. Um. So, uh, let's see. I think so. Backtracking a little bit, ground zero for this work in Congress is the Portuguese Caucus, which my boss is very closely, Congressman Costa is very closely involved with. Um, and uh, the current status of the uh, Star Talk situation is that Congressman Costa led a letter to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to get a sense, to, to really get answers on why the language was cut from the Star Talk program. And we are in touch with that team and waiting to hear back on definitive next steps. And I'm, I'm gonna wait just to talk more about next steps until later in our program, but happy to jump more into that. Um, I think one thing that's also important to consider as we look at how vital Portuguese is um, as part of the Star Talk program is, is sort of a two-factor consideration. And, and our understanding is that languages that are part of the Star Trek program either have a critical security component or a critical economic component. And uh, there, uh, there is a bill at the moment which Congress is considering called the Amigos Act, um, otherwise known as the Advancing Mutual Interests and Growing Our Success Act. And this bill would grant Portuguese citizens eligibility for E1 and E2 visas which would basically allow individuals to enter the U.S. and conduct substantial trade or invest um, substantial capital, respectively, and, and really strengthen uh, U.S.-Portuguese uh, economic ties and provide really excellent opportunities there. So, and, and that bill passed with really fantastic bipartisan bicameral support in June of this year. Um, so as we look at, as we look at you know, the potential of that bill, um, and we look at the StarTalk program, I think there's a, a real important place to be made for how vital Portuguese uh, is from an economic standpoint. Um, the other thing I just want to briefly mention is um, that June is uh, Portuguese Heritage Month, and the Congressman Costa um, this year issued a resolution to formally recognizing June as Portuguese Heritage Month. And a lot of uh, a, a lot of progress was made on the Amigos Act, and also on Star talks earlier in this summer, but you know that's it's not enough, right? I mean, it's it's really critical that we make progress on this issue all year round. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to wait till later in the program to talk kind of about what we can do next. But um, but we are we're just really trying to to refocus attention on how vital Portuguese is as part of the Star Talk movement right now. Perfect. I appreciate that, Natasha. <laughs> And we will very quickly um, get to what's going forward and we can get on that. I, I just want to talk a, a couple of minutes about what Palkis's involvement is currently and kind of what we've been doing with StarTalk. So as we see here, this is one of the biggest things we want to do is just advocate people on the program. So let people fully understand what the program is, where it has come, and unfortunately where it is at the moment and what we can do to get it back on track. As Duar, Isabel, and Natasha have all said, this program has been not only vital for Portuguese, but has been vital for the program itself, StarTalk. We have had high ratings, we have had very effective programs, and it has culturally made an impact beyond the Portuguese community, which I think was the gist of the program. So if Palkis is really just bringing these forefront, these initiatives to light, the advocacy to light, and letting people understand 
Pal, uh, Star Talk is a very big program for the Portuguese community, and it's something that Palcas continues to fight for every day with the Friends of Portugal in the Senate, the Portuguese Caucus in the House, and with community leaders such as Duarte and Isabel, who are on the ground working on this every day. Someone like Duarte was was an established help establish the program. We are trying to reach all angles that we could to see what we can do to bring Portuguese back, and if we unfortunately can't get Portuguese all the way back and start talk, what are the all the alternatives that we have available to us? So speaking on those alternatives, that's kind of where we're going to segue into now. So it's going to just be an open forum here where we're going to get kind of talking from all three. I would just like to start kind of with Duar and Isabel maybe and just ask what we think the best way going forward that Portuguese is not current language. Um, if you guys would like to start, go ahead. I'll be more than happy to do so. And one thing you said that, that uh, you know, to highlight how important this is for the Portuguese community. But I, I am hoping that at the same time we do that, we highlight how important this program Portuguese is to the national interests of the United States, not only commercially and economically and for security reasons and so forth. You know, there's a vast region of Africa that we don't know very much about. We do not, the United States, is not very well prepared to deal with any conflict that may arise in any of parts of the world. So I really think that our argument needs to be centered. Yes, what it can do for the Portuguese community, but perhaps even, you know, before that, <laughs> to get the program reestablished is what Portuguese can do for the United States. And I think we can come up with some very interesting and compelling, you know, bullet points to make the arguments that uh, hopefully Natasha's you know, boss can carry forward for us, or we can help, you know, support and make these, you know, these cases for, you know, why Portuguese, you know, Portuguese is a, a critical language for the interests of the United States. And then, and then what, of course, what it can do for the Portuguese community, because it did a lot, as Isabel so elegantly pointed out, it did a lot for the community. It was a unifier for the community across the Central Valley in California. And I think it can do that across the nation if we are allowed to go forward with, you know, 120 programs or more in the future. Yeah, I think I just absolutely want to echo what um, Duarte said. I think a couple of things, and I do agree, although I am a, uh, you know, my, my life has been in education and specifically, you know, K-12 um, student education. I do think one of the very, very important things of Star Talk is that uh, preparing the U.S. for world issues and U.S. security. And it's not just what are we dealing with now, but it's are we prepared for what's coming in the future? So I think that is real important for us. When you think of the Portuguese language, you know, Brazil, Africa, Asia, it's not just in the little country of Portugal or, you know, what some of Central Valley people think in the little, you know, islands of the Azores. No, this is well beyond. And if the U.S. wants to be on the cutting edge, we have to think for what is coming in the future. Are we prepared for that? Because as we know, we can't deal with uh, an issue or a crisis when it's upon us, we have to prepare. You don't learn language from one day to the next. 
So language learning requires years. So it does require require that forward thinking, the thinking of, you know, what will the U.S. need to stay competitive, to, you know, be the strong economy, to be the world um, leaders that it has been. It's got to prepare now for what's coming in 10 or 20 years. So I think that's crucial, especially speaking from a, a public school you know, when I have a kindergartner and I'm, you know, which we have, we had a program after school, actually it was during school with our kindergartners for an hour a day, they were learning a different language and Portuguese was one of those languages. Well, that kindergartner is five years old. It's going to take you many years to truly naturally um, know that language and that culture. So it really becomes part of you. So you can really be an interpreter or a diplomat in some other country, those things take years. Um, so a five-year-old child is going to, you know, if they can have 10 years of language and cultural learning, let me tell you, they're going to be, and they're going to serve the U.S. in an, uh, can serve the U.S. in awesome roles when they're in their 20s. But we, but that takes 10 to 15 years. So we have to think now about what the future is going um, to be. The other thing, obviously, as a language advocate, um, Portuguese is just um, so important. Uh, many of the kids we had were students who spoke Spanish. Well, they already had a good foundation in a Latin-based language, so they were able to add another language um, so quickly. So taking advantage of some of that, we also had the other way around. We had students that once they learned Portuguese, they went to explore other languages. So they were, they would enroll in a Spanish class and could quickly become proficient in Spanish. And then in turn, we even had some that wanted to go um, take Chinese classes here at, um, you know, local places. So it was, it's that opens up that language opportunity and uh, Portuguese really is a gateway to uh, other languages. Absolutely. Uh, just like to jump in and echo what Isabel is saying and, and look at this as well from sort of an emerging threats perspective and consider um, you consider how central Brazil is going to be to the climate conversation for the rest of the lives of yep. Yep. the children that are in Isabel's classrooms um, and for many of the other students who are who have are no longer access to Portuguese as a result of this kind and having the ability to communicate in Portuguese as we look at um, you know, the state of uh, deforestation in the Amazon, as well as um, uh, fires and uh, you know, the, the vital nature of diplomacy that we're, we're going to have between Brazil and the U.S. Um, for the for years and years to come is just one example of, of why this is such a, a vital language. I, if I may, I would like to reiterate something that Isabel said regarding preparing for the future, because uh, I failed to say that at the same time that Portuguese was taken off the list in uh, 2020, uh, Dari was also taken off the list as well as Swahili uh, in addition to Portuguese. Well, Dari, as all of you know, is the, the language of Afghanistan. <laughs> and here we are, we took a program off the list in which right now we are you know, in dire need of uh, Dari speakers in order to help in the transition that is taking place in Afghanistan you know, post the end of the war there. So, so it was so, so short-sighted and so you know, in the moment decision that we do not need this, you know, uh, at this time. Swahili, you know, which is a language that is spoken in Eastern Africa, uh, you know, in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, critical, critical nations to help us 
to negotiate you know, health issues in Africa, and uh, which are critical right now in the COVID era. So, so it's so short-sighted you know, to be reactive rather than be proactive with the language skills that we need to carry out our missions across the world and the world's mission because we're all one global society these days. So um, you know, all languages need to be at the table. And, and these were the ones that were not widely supported in our schools, yes, you know, my, you know, there's other languages that have sort of their place in a curricula on a regular basis, and none of these languages that, that came to uh, to be as part of that critical mass of languages, you know, were not being you know taught. Certainly not enough across the United States. Correct, um, Natasha. I'd like to kind of follow up on what you stated in terms of the emerging technologies, kind of security threat and how we can look at that maybe as a read statement, but also if you can touch on the Amigos Act and how that might kind of play into what Portuguese may be able to do going forward. Yeah, happy to. And I don't feel like to paint a clear picture of other next steps that we might be seeing on um, this issue in Congress. So, as I mentioned previously, I think that the momentum that we saw in Congress this year with the Amigos Act is a really strong indication of how important it is that you know, Portuguese language learning and is funded on a federal level through the Star Fund program. Um, I also, you know, I, I think that the permission and our team feels like we really need clarity first from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence on why this program, uh, why we're doing this cut from So we are waiting to hear back uh, from that letter. And then once we have a clearer sense of what the issues are, and Jack has said earlier, either we really make a, a strong case for why uh, Fortune should be added back to Star Trek or we will be so that's kind of what we see as the next big step. Um, something else that we're excited about is, and this is all thanks to coordinate, but we, the congressman is looking really closely at joining a caucus called the American Languages Caucus, which is a collection of members of Congress uh, really concerned about the importance of language learning and how vital that is from everything from um, an economic security to an education standpoint. Um, and it's something that he's been doing really closely at the moment, but um, I think that being part of a group of members that believe in, in that cause for the Portuguese and other languages will be a really great starting point uh, for further advocacy on this issue. And then, you know, for those in the audience who are have a you know a, a newfound excitement for this issue and hopefully have brought one as well to this conversation, um, please call your member of Congress and uh, let them know uh, about this issue and how important it is to you and or your community uh, because that sort of uh, that sort of voice is really essential as Thank you. And I think you bring up a good point with uh, the American Languages Caucus and how that is now a, a new growing caucus. And it is something that I know PALCUS will continue to probably reach out to members and, and look to keep Portuguese as one of the languages that they keep on their list in consideration, because that will gladly and, and most importantly be something that we have to pay attention to. Um, at the moment, I have no other questions. Is there anything that we'd like to talk about? I know there's a lot about StarTalk that we can add on here for the next <laughs> couple of minutes. So um, please feel free to just add what we feel is most important. I was going to say that because this is sort of a policy-oriented session here, um, when we were, you know, 
the Star Talk was going on in California, uh, not only in Hillmar, but also in, in a couple of teacher preparation programs, one being at Stanford, some at UCLA, some in uh, San Diego uh, had both a student and a, um, and a teacher program. Uh, the, the, the certification, the credentialing of these teachers came about, how we're going to be, a, because there's not enough universities offering majors in Portuguese, and usually it takes a major in Portuguese in order to be able to, to become a certified teacher. So we uh, took it on, uh, on a policy arena, and I am very pleased to say that we got Portuguese as being credentialed via an examination. We developed an exam. Uh, called a CSET, a piece of that exam in which any teacher who has a credential already in Spanish or French or mathematics for that matter, or English language arts can take this test, you know, called the California Subject Examination for Teachers, CSET, takes that portion of the test. It just happens to be administered at Stanislaw State <laughs> that is right next to Isabel's school district. And, uh, and uh, we created that test and I worked on a policy side and got it through <laughs> the policy arena, through the legislature and into the credentialing commission through the state of California. So that was a very important step that we needed to take in order for our teachers to be credentialed because districts in California get penalized if they have teachers who are not teaching in their assigned credentialed area. And we did not want to create a risk for the school districts. So on that policy arena, we were able to navigate the legislative, you know, you know, twists and turns that I'm sure Natasha understands how difficult that is. But we got it through, and it's now, you know, you know, rather, I don't want to say easy, <laughs> but but certainly there's a process established for teachers to add Portuguese to their credential, existing credential, or become, you know, credential for the first time in Portuguese. And I think several of Isabel's teachers became credential by this process. Yeah, and I just want to add because uh, once again, being in public education, I cannot stress enough the importance of um, language learning and learning about cultures because in my, my role is to prepare students for society. So, and for the world, you know? So it really, that language and culture opportunity is an amazing opportunity for us to um, help build and create better world citizens. And as we see, unfortunately, there's a bit of a myopic view right now in, uh, in the, in definitely in the US. And so that whole, uh, it, it opens up worlds. It truly does. I know that's a cliche, but it opens up worlds when children learn uh, languages and especially at an early age when a lot of stereotypes have not been formed yet. So it's their opportunity to, to see the world and not just the, you know, the little town of Hillmar that they live in. So it, and that was one of our selling points is when I prepare, uh, when I'm working with teachers here to prepare students, I'm not preparing them for the community of Hillmar. I'm preparing them for the world because that's what I want them to um, have the opportunity to participate in once they leave here. So the StarTalk program became very, very important because as we all know, um, school districts struggle with funding. Funding is not, um, there, there's always competition for the money. So when you have a StarTalk grant that you can bring into a district, it becomes much easier for a superintendent, for a school board, for a community to say, hey, will you do this? And here's the money for it. So now school districts 
you don't turn it down because it's like, well, gosh, that's a wonderful opportunity for our students and there's the funding for it. Well, that seed money really um, is what's gonna open up the doors for language learning in, um, in public schools. And I truly believe if we want language learning to be established, it must be through the public schools. I think community schools do an awesome job. Community organizations do an awesome job. We are so blessed to have so many people that are passionate. But if we don't make um, language learning and specifically Portuguese language in the everyday regular school districts around you know, California and around the United States, it will not survive. And I think that's where StarTalk really had a huge impact because it said, here's this wonderful opportunity and here's the money to go with it. So now school districts like mine would be foolish to say no. So it's like, yeah, let's do it. Well, what happens is when you bring a program like that in, then it's got to stay going. You know, it's yeah. like, well, the StarTalk funding is gone, but oh my gosh, we've created a monster, a wonderful <laughs> monster. So now let's find a way to fund it. So now it can take the priority. So I think really looking um, at the importance of, of StarTalk and what it does for language learning throughout um, the public schools to me is the thing that I really want to um, impress upon people is that is a huge, huge factor in where language will go. And we all know then that language leads to better security in the United States, better economics, all that kind of stuff. But it's got to be, in my opinion, it must be done to the public schools, the community schools and those organizations and, you know, are absolutely wonderful, but they're not sustainable. It must be part of the regular curriculum in schools if we really want to make a true impact. I could not agree more with you, Isabel. And I really want to drive a point home of, you know, what languages can do for you. And here's, uh, Jack, here's the slogan for Palkas from now on. I think we hear a lot about college readiness. You know, we hear a lot about career readiness. Well, Portuguese gets you college ready, career ready, and world ready. So all the threes there. So I think we need to adopt this, how you know Portuguese adds that value added dimension to whatever career or whatever academic you know, major you are pursuing. So you know it, it is college ready, it is career ready, and it is world ready that Portuguese can get you to, as Isabel said, I am preparing students for a, a global society. And that, once again, just the importance of that StarTalk funding. It is crucial yeah. when you come to a school district yes. to say, here's a lovely opportunity and here's the funding that goes with it. Yeah. That's, I think, where StarTalk, um, you know, really, really, really makes an impact because it is that seed money and that is how you open the door into a school district. And I remember my first call to you, Isabel, and saying, Isabel, I have an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> and and, and you, you, you run with it and you made it a success. So congratulations. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with your comments more. And uh, Duar, you, I think you summed it up well. You know, we are very well-rounded and we do exactly what we, what we could. Um, on the Palkis end, just to, to summarize, we will definitely help out with whatever, whatever um, anyone needs in terms of what they need to get Start Talk in front of either their local school boards, state representatives, and federal representatives. Uh, Palkis is always there to help advocate. And as Isabel said, uh, right on the local level, you know, that needs funding, but funding does come from the higher levels. But if you allow your local school board 
to become aware of it, they're gonna let their state representatives know. And as Duarte said, there's change at the, the, the state level that happened in California. And I do know as well in Massachusetts, while it is not as far, they did sign an MOU type of a format where it is open to where teachers can come over from Portugal if it is funded by the local districts, but it is just, an, it allows more of um, an expansion on kind of the, the rules and regulations and it allows for more Portuguese to get uh, actively taught in those school districts. And then of course, at the federal level, as Natasha said, um, that's where really things get changed and the grants come from. So advocacy is the number one thing and Palcas is always there to help anyone with that. So I would like to thank everyone for their time here. Duarte, would you have one thing to follow up on? Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that Isabel students, Portuguese students are getting the seal of biliteracy, probably in the greatest number, you know, in, in addition to Tulare, uh, the seal of biliteracy on their diplomas, you know, for Portuguese. And, and that is wonderful to witness when they, they you know, their parents get, the, you know, their the high school diplomas and they have the seal of biliteracy in Portuguese. And that, that is sort of like a reward that, uh, you know, she, a gift she's giving her, her community. And I, I so appreciate it. And Jack, I do want to just say that if anyone is interested in learning more about a, a Portuguese language program in a school district, I am more than happy to um, make myself available if people want to come visit, if they want to chat, if they want to have phone calls, a Zoom call, whatever. Um, I am here to share. I think um, that's our role is to share what we have done, share our experiences. And if it helps another district and it helps another community, that would be wonderful. So I do want to make sure um, I put that out there that um, I am more than happy to share my own experiences with anyone that's interested. Ditto here. Thank you. And I couldn't have asked a, a better panel to moderate. You guys have all been great, very helpful, and very willing to share the information and help the community as needed. Once again, all, please look into the Star Talk program and reach out to your representatives at every level and just let them know that Portuguese has been cut and we are a very valuable language and we are just looking to get reinstated. So once again, thank you for joining this uh, panel. Thank you to all our sponsors and the United Through Heritage uh, virtual event series. And hopefully you guys will join the next ones coming up. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Bye, Natasha. <laughs>